Well, good morning again, everybody. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. And as Michael said, this is part three of our worship series. But as Jake kind of said last week, the, the list of worship material and, and, and what happens in worship is too exhaustive. We're not, you know, this is not the final word. Um, but this is a word. But I want to start this morning with just a word of honor um, for a lot of people, really. Um, first of all, it is just so good to be in a body of people where we love to worship together and to be in God's presence together. It's like such a gift to a worship leader. I can tell you I've been in like I've been in environments where people could not care less about like they were there, but that was about it, you know? Like uh I did not think about this, but I w- I led worship in a youth group one time where the the youth pastor had like a fog machine. Um, it was totally ridiculous. And, and like, these kids, they, they were just dragged there by their parents. Like, they didn't want to be there. Like, those are hard places to lead worship in. I'll, but it is such a good, <laughs> it's such a good gift um, to us as worship leaders in this community that people love to gather and be in the presence of Jesus. So just to say that, I love our community and, and where we've gone. I love the people that I get to lead with. I'm so thankful for everybody that leads up here and worship and leads up there, you know, like sound and lyrics. Um, there are people that have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, give them a hand. Um, for, you know, for, for me, it's just been such a gift to do that with others. And, and honoring God for like his answers to prayer. Because there was a time when there was like, you know, there was a smaller team of us that did this like week in and week out. And God has blessed us with more folks. And it's so good to see his answers to prayer in like in Jake and Kiara who have brought these messages who are now like taking the baton and leading us further along in worship. And so I honor, you know, their leadership and God for for bringing us worship leaders. Um, So as we enter into this, I want to give a little bit of catch up uh, if you haven't been able to join us. Kiara led us off a couple weeks ago and gave us a great foundation about worship. Uh, she, she was very quick to point out that worship does not start with us. Worship is simply our response to who God is and what he's done in our lives. So God has gone first. He has prepared the way. Um, and worship is just us responding to God for those things that he has done in our lives. And worship is an all-of-life kind of thing. Like, her, if you guys remember, or if you weren't here, her, this beautiful illustration of worship being um, the bride, us as the church being the bride, coming to the bridegroom. And she talked about her wedding day and coming down the altar to her husband and that being this picture of, of worship because worship is really us giving our lives to Jesus and, and that happens in all of our life. It's not just as we gather in a place like this. Worship is an all-of-life surrender and obedience to Jesus and who he is. It's, as she pointed out, it's saying yes to Jesus and saying no to all these other things um, around us. And that's a, that is a, a great um, foundation for us as we talked about worship. And then Jake last week started with the distinction of worship in the Old Covenant versus the new covenant. So the old covenant is before Jesus, and they had to go to the temple and pray and, and worship God, and they had to sacrifice animals, and that was how they worshiped God. And then Jesus came, and he became the sacrifice. 
He was the once and for all perfect sacrifice for all of us. And now in the new covenant, somehow in this great mystery, we get to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit resides in us. And we don't have to go to this place to worship God. And only, you know, it's not only a few people that get to go into the Holy of Holies and the presence of God, but all of us get access to this presence of God as we come by way of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And Jake, just started a list, which he said obviously was not exhaustive, but all the things that happen as we get together in God's presence um, and the things that come into our own lives, the things that come to us as a body. And um, I want to take us this week. um, I told Heather last week that um, my my apologies if you're like, wait, Heather said you were going to talk about one thing. I told Heather last week we were going to talk about worship as warfare, and I'm going to mention that, but I feel like Jesus um, wanted to take us all the way to the end, to the end of the story, uh, which I guess there is no end, but to what we can see as far ahead in heaven um, and what we can see of worship in the book of Revelation. So that's where we're going to head today. Um, But first, I want to just define this thing one more time. It is really hard to talk about worship because We often think of worship as like, this is this hour and a half slot on Sunday morning, and we come together to worship, and then we go our own way. And I've already said that worship is all of life. So, you know, I'm going to stumble over my words here and there, I'm sure, because, you know, we obviously, sometimes we mean worship as singing, and sometimes we mean worship as just obedience to God and and how we give our lives to Him. So, Worship has so many facets. It is all of the above. It is giving our lives to Jesus. It is obedience to what he tells us. It is both an individual thing where we cultivate a relationship with Jesus and time with him, and it's also corporate, something that we do with a lot of people together or a few people together. It, is, it includes things like praising God for who he is and thanking him for what he's done, but also just sitting and being with him and communing with him in his presence. So a phrase that I want to use today um, is this phrase, and you can put it on the screen, Tim, is communities of worshipers, okay? Now, my definition really could be a definition for what the church should be or what we call a family on mission, but I want to talk today about how God is looking for communities of worshipers, And these are people who have given their lives to following Jesus in intimacy and action and who are doing it together with others. So this includes um, a gathering like this where we lift up songs and praise to Jesus, where we pray and dedicate kids, where we we, uh, listen to the word. Um, But it also includes like what we call like a missional community who like like just this is just an example, but I'm just just saying this to include all. It's it's like a community of people who scrape together money to care for one of their friends so that they can receive dental care. Like that's worship. Like that's a community of worshipers who are like being obedient to God and loving people. So it's all of these things um, all wrapped up into this idea of communities of worshipers. And this makes me think of stories, you know, stories of the early church. You think about stories in the book of Acts where people are gathered for a prayer meeting and the building shakes. Jesus, like, comes and does something crazy. At the same time, that community is, like, meeting the needs of other people by selling their homes and giving everything to, like, help the needy around them. Like, 
what a community of worshipers that is. Or like the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and falls on all these people and they speak in unknown languages and tongues and then 3,000 people come to know Jesus. Like what a picture of the community of worship. Um, we've had these stories. You know, they, these stories have, have been ever since the book of Acts all the way to today, and it reminds me about our community, how we gather in different places um, to give worship to God, and God breaks out and does his thing. You know, I couldn't, couldn't preach this without thinking about, like, times in Belglade where we just, like, spent time worshiping Jesus, and then God broke out and healing and saving the people in the apartment complex where we were worshiping. Like, these are communities of worshipers. And what's going on with all of these stories What's really at the heart of it is that they are earthly glimpses of a heavenly reality. They are a little slice of heaven come to earth, okay? Um, that is what a community of worshipers is. We are getting a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. And so I want to take a look at, um, at heaven um, together this morning some and, and hear what what we can learn, what we can see that's happening there, that we can learn uh, uh, how that applies to worship here on earth. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's on the screen and then you can pull out a Bible, but I'm also going to ask you to do something funny this morning. If you're up for it, if you're a little playful this morning, if you wouldn't mind, as I read this passage, I feel like God wants us to see this passage. Um, and so I'd love for you to like close your eyes and turn on your imagination, okay, and put yourself in the place. We know that Revelation, it says, you know, John the Apostle was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord, and he gets this vision, um, and he walks us through, you know, this vision of heaven and, and the end times and all of that, but I think it best if you could find a way to put yourself in John's shoes today and think about this picture and let yourself be there among this great multitude. So I'm going to read it. You can do what you want. You can read it along with me, or you can close your eyes and imagine yourself there. Just don't fall asleep, okay? So uh, Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I looked. This is John talking. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. 
The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, Jesus, we long for the day. Lord, we set our eyes on the worship around the throne of heaven. And Lord, it's all centered on you. Lord, and you draw our hearts to you. Lord, would you do that among us this morning, God? Would you draw our hearts deeper into your gaze? Lord, as we look on you and you look on us, God, we just see the face of the Father who loves us. And we long to be with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As I read this passage, um, and as you hear it, you know, there's so much that sticks out to me in this, in this multitude of worshipers that are gathered from every tribe and nation and people and language. I see the beauty of the diversity of God's creation. I see every dividing wall broken down. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a gathering where people have worshipped God in different languages in the same gathering. Like, what a beautiful thing that is. Um, to hear God, like I wonder in heaven, like are we all gonna understand? You know, like are we all gonna understand each other? Are we gonna be singing our beautiful languages back to God? And then, like I don't know how that all works, but it's gonna be such a picture of the unity of that the Holy Spirit brings among the people of God before His presence. We see this people wearing white robes and holding palm branches, and we think, uh, you know, like that imagery of purity, the purity of the people who have been washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus, and they're just lifting palm branches in praise to God. We, th- we just celebrated Palm Sunday, but just saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, as they did on that day, salvation belongs to our God. And, and these people have come through, you, you see this, when, when the elder asked John, who are these people? John's like, why are you asking me? Um, and, and he says, you know, they've come out of the great tribulation. So they've come through this time of difficulty and trial and suffering, and now they've washed their robes and been made white in the blood of the Lamb. And I love the last couple verses here, that they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And this this language here, the next part, he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. I thought that's an interesting like way to word that. And I actually looked in a couple other translations. Um, I love the NASB, Tim, if you want to put that up there. Like it says, he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Like, so we've, like, we, we're, we're familiar with that old word because we decided to call our name, like, the, the ch- our church name, the uncoolest name ever, right? The gospel tabernacle. Um, it's like, who says that anymore? But, like, we have this image of God, like, just setting up this tabernacle, this place of meeting above his people. And in that place, you know, they're protected from the sun and the scorching heat. They will never again hunger, never again thirst Um, He will lead them to springs of living water and wipe away every tear from their eyes. Their needs are being met. God is dwelling among his people. They have unfettered access to the shepherd um, and these springs of living water that come up from the throne of God into the lives of his people. And so just as Jake talked last week about worship 
as intimacy in the presence of God. Heaven is where we get to experience this perfect union with God and others and unhindered access to the presence of Jesus. And as Kiara said a couple weeks ago, as she gave that illustration of the marriage, of the wedding, heaven is the culmination of that illustration. It's the wedding feast. It's the reception. It's the after party. It is the celebration that we get to enjoy forever. You know, Kiara and I were together the last couple days, um, and we were visiting a church uh, along with Joel, and we were learning some things. And so I was telling her what I was um, preaching about today, and we were, remar- we were thinking about her, like, wedding reception. Um, and some of us were able to make the trek down to Atlanta and go to that reception, but Kiara was just saying, my wedding reception, she said, was like the pic- was a picture of heaven uh, for me. Like, it was such a party. Like, it was such a celebration. There was dancing. There was some really good food. They, uh, they, there, was, there was, like, I mean, I don't, there was, it, it went on for a long time. Like, there were times Galfu and I had to go sit, sit off to the side a little bit, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but it was a party, and there was, there was diversity there. Like, I don't know if everybody knows it. Uh, Devante is, is Panamanian, okay? And so they actually had two DJs that night, okay? So they had, like, the regular English DJ, and then they had the Panamanian DJ. So they kind of, like, took turns, and it went back and forth. And, like, maybe you knew how to dance to one, but maybe you didn't know how to dance to the other. I don't, it was, it was but it was beautiful because uh, it was just, like, the, the room had come together just to celebrate the marriage of these two people, and the joy that was theirs that night uh, was a beautiful picture of heaven. And we often pray around here, you know, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and what I want to say today is that the community of worshipers is God's kingdom on this earth, is a picture, is a slice of heaven. And Because when people get together to be in the presence of God and live life together and sacrifice their lives for one another, what we see are these characteristics of heaven, like needs are being met, like God's presence is coming to dwell with his people. There, there may be suffering, but people are walking with them in that suffering. They're being fed by springs of living water, and there's this unfettered access to God's presence. In a word, we, often, we sometimes say this word, the word shalom. It's a Hebrew word for wholeness. And what happens among a community of worshipers is God's shalom comes to that place. That's something we pray for for our communities, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, that God's wholeness would come. And what happens as people come together to be these communities of worshipers, um, not perfectly by any means, as they give their lives to Jesus and they, they sacrifice and surrender to him, they come together to give honor and praise and thanksgiving to commune with Jesus, to hear from him. What happens is that God does his thing, the stuff that only God can do. He brings that shalom, that perfect heavenly wholeness to earth, and he spreads his tabernacle over us. And what we often see in these communities is they, they, they have these places that a term I want to use this morning is the white hot center of God's presence, okay? As we have thought more and more about ourselves as like 
a, a scattered group of people, like as missionaries going out into the, to our communities as we've thought of ourselves as a, a network of dispersed and decentralized organizations, we have to have these places where we gather together in the white hot center of God's presence. And that's how we've thought of this gathering so often. This is like, this is like, um, you know, like halftime at, at the football game. This is like we're getting refreshed and renewed in his presence. But this is also just like the fire of God's presence coming among his people to fuel them to go out again into mission. Um, and, and what I believe, uh, I, I was sitting, um, there's a, a few years ago, I was sitting at a fire. Um, and I was by myself. I, I think, like, Gaufua was out of town or something. I think the kids were inside sleeping, and I was in the back. Actually, the Hannes' property, because they have a little fire pit behind our house. Um, and I was sitting at this fire, and I feel like, you know, Jesus started to speak to me. I had built a pretty good fire. I'm not a Boy Scout. But this thing was really, really hot, okay? So, like, I had been there for a little while, and it was super hot. And I think there was a lot of, like, kind of brush that we were trying to burn back there too. And so after I got it really hot, you know, I started to put some stuff in there. And it was, you know, some of that stuff was wet and it would smoke a lot, but that fire was so hot, it was going to burn up anything that came its way. Um, and I felt like God started to say, this, this is like my people gathered um, in, in worship. This is, this is that white hot center of my presence, and no matter what you throw in this thing, it's going to burn, all right? It might, it might smoke for a while. It might come with a lot of stuff. It might have, you know, it might be wet, but once it gets in the fire, um, eventually it's going to burn up, and, and I felt like God was saying, this is what I want our, our people, our, our family to be, is this community of white-hot worshipers who are, who, no matter what comes into it, it starts to burn. And I, I had this second picture. And I, uh, Tim, if you'll put it on the screen. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like a satellite image of the world uh, at night. Um, it, but uh, is it on there? Is it not on there? It didn't translate. Okay, we had some computer problems. All right, so picture it with me. You've probably seen this. Satellite imagery of the, of the world at night, you have all these like pockets of light and networks and it depends on where you look. If you go to Utah, it's like there's nothing out there. But if you're like in New York City, it's like, oh, that, yeah. So, um, you know, sorry if you're from Utah or maybe you like it that way. Okay, so I, I just, you know, this was the picture of what I thought God wanted to do among us. Not, not only is this gathering like a white hot center, God wants to have these networks of like these, these, these outposts of white hot centers all over our region that God is setting on fire, that people that come into contact with them uh, will eventually like burn for his presence. Um, that's God's plan for our movement, to, to multiply and spread this network of white hot sinners. And it's because, it, 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 that's his plan because what happens when God sets up these fires is God's presence comes to earth. And, and, and we see a bit of heaven, and we see all these things that God does when people encounter him. That's the whole point, people encountering Jesus. And so we set up these spaces for people to encounter Jesus. This, um, this, is, this is something we do in big groups, but it's also something we do in small groups, in little places, in our own lives, individually. We set up these fires 
of God's presence. You know, I was talking with a worship leader many years ago from a, a sister church of ours in Atlanta. They were actually up here for a mission trip. And we were talking about worship. And he used this language that I often use with other people, um, especially as I'm talking to worship leaders. Um, as a worship leader, it is, it is the worship leader's job to set up a Wi-Fi hotspot with Jesus, okay? So, like, that's the job of the worship leader is to just make space for people to encounter Jesus, okay? Um, it's, it's not about, I, I want to go through some things about what's important in the white hot center. And the first one is this, that the point is not about getting through a script. It's not about getting through an order, even though orders have their place. But the point of gathering together for worship is to be with Jesus. You know, I can tell and I'm not being critical here, but I can tell when somebody has only learned how to lead songs, but they haven't learned how to lead worship. They've learned how to go through the words on the screen, but they haven't learned how to help people connect with Jesus. And this is why, you know, Jake talked last week, and I loved, um, you know, the points that Jake made. I just want to say it again. This is why when we gather together in worship, sometimes we're singing words on a page, but sometimes we take a break from that. And we're just communing with God. We, sometimes we sing other words. Sometimes we respond in silence. And, and sometimes we kneel. And sometimes we raise our hands. Um, but it's not about getting through, like, the list of things that we have to get through. It's about being with Jesus. And we can respond to Jesus in those moments in all kinds of ways. I want us to know this as a body. You know, this was honestly one of the things that when I thought, let's talk about worship, I thought, I want us to know as a body, when we gather in worship, the main thing is about being with Jesus. So whatever, however God leads you to respond to Jesus in those moments is, is exactly what you need to do. Jake talked about pushing ourselves a little bit because we see in Scripture that sometimes we do undignified things for God. But really the point is, if Jesus is, is communing with us, then the point is to be with him in whatever way that he is asking you to be with him. So if you find yourselves in these worship gatherings, I know I used to like, when I was first learning how to lead worship, I thought we can never have any downtime from singing the words. you got to get right back into the next verse because what do people do when there's no words on the screen? I, I, like, I had these thoughts. I don't know if you've ever had these thoughts. Um, but I've, I've learned over my years that the song is just a space to connect with God. Um, and so, you know, we may be singing words or we may just be praying and lifting up our own words of praise to God. And all of that is good. And the second point I have is that there are so many ways to respond to God and worship. I was talking about the Thorns wedding reception earlier. Um, there was so much going on and Galfoa can, can attest. Um, she, she probably influenced me to be on the dance floor a little bit more than I would have wanted. Okay. I, I have rhythm, but I don't have any dance moves, okay? So I can clap to a song or something like that, but I, I'm not, I don't love dancing, okay? So that's just me. Um, but so we were on the dance floor for a little bit. We stood off to the side watching people dance for a little bit. That was fun. Um, and, then, and then after a while, we got kind of like, it was like, okay, this is loud. Um, they have empanadas out on the patio. Let's go sit on the patio and hang out and talk and like cool off for a minute and stop sweating. Um, we did all of those things, okay? Um, but we were, all, we were all participating in the wedding reception. Um, and, and, 
And, you know, like as a funny point, we love responding to God in all the different ways that God has given us to respond. So, you know, that means singing, that means dancing, that means uh, kneeling, that means raising our hands, that means sitting in silence, that means writing down our prayers to the Lord in a journal. That means all kinds of things as we gather. We like it all (laughs) because it's all just connecting and responding to Jesus. And Steve already said this, but the next thing that I think is important in the center is that the only helpful fear is the fear of God. Um, and, you know, this is something close, you know, to me because I feel like I'm, I'm the kind of person that wants people to be impressed with me. I don't like to fail in front of people. I like, I, I want you to think I'm pretty good at what I do. Like, that's a natural thing. But the, the fear of man is something we have to kill in ourselves. Because when it comes to us and Jesus, it just, it doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter, like, if you feel like I can dance well. Or it doesn't matter if I, you know, like, can't sing right. Um, Or it doesn't matter if God asks me to do something weird, what are the people going to think? Because all that matters is me and Jesus and his delight in me and my delight in him. And really the fear of God, you could... Steve has probably preached a sermon on the fear of God. I think you have. Maybe not, but maybe you haven't. But the fear of God could be a whole sermon, but it is just, it can be a confusing word. It is just delighting in God and caring only about what he thinks and being in awe and reverence of who he is. Um, That is what the fear of God is, and that's really the only helpful fear as we gather in God's presence. Um, And then two important characteristics that are important in the White Hot Center is we talk about a lot of this hunger and humility. You know, first of all, worship is really a place of humility most of the time. It's like falling on God because you have no, like Heather said it today, I don't know what to do other than call on the name of the Lord. It is admitting our dependence on God and surrendering our lives to him. It is going low in his presence and asking him to move where we can't. And that's why so often we talk about knowing our own poverty because that leads to hunger. That leads to our desire to hunger, uh, to want to be with Jesus. And those are so important in the White Hot Center. Like, like if, if, if we had 100 people that weren't hungry, I would take the five people that were hungry over the 100 that weren't hungry. Now, I want you to get hungry too. And I have times where I'm not hungry and I have to go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't really want to be in your presence right now. I, I'm, I'm stumbling. I don't feel this thing right now, but I know that I need you. Lord, would you cultivate a hunger in me? Like, we have to go back to that place over and over and over and over again. Um, that's just how this is. Um, and so communities of worship know a few things. Communities of worshipers know that worship is often where we start. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It starts in that place of worship. And so often around here, as our communities gather, we start in a place of worship because it is the fitting place to start in this journey with Jesus. Worship, as Heather sang and talked about, is a place of warfare. 
We see that time and time and again in scriptures. God sends out the, uh, the choir. Um, the, the people worship and God does his thing. He, he topples the wall or, you know, slays the giant. Worship, we've learned over the years, is our place to run when there is a battle facing us. Wor- worship is also where we run when the enemy is on the prowl. When temptation is, is right there, we go to worship and we invite God to come and to, and to, meet, uh, to, to defeat the enemy and to meet us in our place of temptation. Worship is where we go when depression is knocking out the door. When we are feeling low and when, we, when life is really difficult, we go to the place of gratitude and thanksgiving and worship. Worship is a stream of living water in the dry desert place. And more and more, I'm, I've been thinking of worship as this place of gazing into the eyes of God and letting him look back into yours. Um, there's been a, a, a few, like, worship environments, you know, recently where I was thinking about this idea of, like, throne room worship and just gathered before the throne of God. And, and just, you know, like, in my mind's eye, just just seeing the eyes of God looking back into my gaze um, and that that place of intimacy being this place of deep worship. Um, so, you know, I talk about this and often I'm referring to, to our gatherings, um, to, our, to our gatherings together of believers, but this is something we cultivate individually as well. Um, it is like this picture of like, is, is the candle burning in our own hearts? Is the fire going in our own hearts? Um, and then are we finding ways to fan that flame with communities of others as we gather to worship Jesus? And I think the call to action this morning is that you have a choice. You have a choice to come to the wedding party or to stay home. You have a choice to watch from afar or get in on the action. Um, you have a choice to be content with the crumbs that fall off the table or to pull up a chair at the table and feast. And it's a choice to cultivate places of intimacy with Jesus in your own life and to be a part of a community of worshipers doing it together. The good news this morning is that because of the cross of Jesus, we always have this opportunity to come boldly before his throne. We always have access because he's made a way for us to be reconciled to God. We always have the, the chance to get in on the action and to be in God's presence. And the good news is also this, that no matter what our life currently looks like, that whatever we're facing, we come to Jesus, the one who suffered in every way that we have, the one who also defeated death, and the one who is our coming king who reigns forever and who is currently sitting enthroned amidst nonstop worship in heaven. So I want to just leave you with a few questions this morning. Some of these will be on the screen, but I think the first question is, is Jesus Lord? And what I mean by that is, you know, like, it's going to be hard to come into this communion and intimacy with Jesus if you first haven't made that step to say, Jesus is Lord of my life. Um, I want to follow Jesus. But more than just saying, like, I've prayed a prayer and I've been baptized with, with water, I, I think this is a continual question for us. Like, is Jesus Lord today? Is Jesus Lord this week? Is he my 
priority? Is he what my heart longs for? What does my heart long for? Is my heart longing after all these other things? Is my heart longing after success? Or is my heart longing after like people thinking well of me? Or is my heart um, longing after, um, you know, like happiness that I'm trying to find in my own way? Or is my heart longing after Jesus? Am I content with my connection with Jesus? You know, for me, I'm a pretty like content guy most of the time. Like I can get by with not very much. Um, but I've had to learn that that shouldn't translate to me and Jesus. Like I shouldn't be content with Jesus. Like on the one hand, I should be content. <laughs> you know, like Paul, I've learned to be content in all things. But, I, but there's always more from Jesus. Like so I shouldn't be content with what I've experienced up to this point of Jesus or what I know of Jesus up to this point. I should be longing for more. So then, am I making space for intimacy with Jesus? Am I finding time and cultivating time for me personally to find myself in those quiet places or those places of worship to be intimate with Jesus? And am I finding ways to do this with other people? Am I finding ways to gather with the people of God and draw near to Jesus? Am I finding a community that I can live this life of sacrifice and obedience and and intimacy and action with Jesus? Am I getting myself in the white hot center of his presence? Um, am I asking for more? And I thought about two songs <clears throat> as I uh, was preparing this. The first is an old hymn. Some of you guys probably know. We've sung it a, a few times over the years. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. And my heart's cry was, Jesus, I don't want to get passed up in this. I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. Yes, I'm going to get to heaven one day, and it's going to be all perfect. But right now, I have the opportunity to experience Jesus' presence, a little slice of heaven on earth. And, and I don't want to get passed up. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to like just get a little bit of what Jesus has for me. I want to get all that he has for me. Um, and then, as I was thinking about heaven, there's a song by Kirk Franklin. I love these words. Um, the song is called Why We Sing. So the whole point of the song is why do we get together and sing and, and praise God anyway? Um, but as he gets near the end of the song, he's got these words looking forward to heaven that I love. He says, when we cross that river to study war no more. I love that. When we cross that river to study war no more, we will lift our hands to Jesus, the one whom we adore. So as Brandy comes to close, I just want to read this last bit of Scripture, and I just want to draw, um, draw out our longing for this, this day when we get to cross that river. And then Brandy will close us out in whatever way she wants to. But the last two verses we read this morning, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. <laughs>